Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less, each day we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God, you can weather the storms of life, and you can bear fruit. Now, I'm Brandon Levy, and uh, today we're talking about a, a pretty remarkable statement from Paul. And I think you'll notice it's awfully similar to that second chapter of his letter to the Colossians that we cite all the time that says, root yourselves in Christ. Well, this is what he writes to the Galatians along those same lines. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you already, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. You know, like he said to the Colossians, Paul says the Galatians are in danger. They could be turned away from the truth with fine-sounding, persuasive words. And those arguments pulled them away from the true gospel to a different one. But the problem is there's only one gospel. Anything else is just empty uh, or deceiving. You know, in verse 7, he makes it clear, saying, There is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. You know, There is no other gospel but the true gospel, the gospel of Christ, and that is what Paul preached and they received. All the others are just perverted shadows of the real thing. You know, remember to the Colossians, Paul wrote, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Both the Galatians and the Colossians, they already had the one truth, but now there are people presenting perverted gospels. Of course, 2,000 years later, this remains a powerful refutation of what a lot of the world wants us to believe, pluralism or universalism or the idea that there are many roads to heaven. You just need to get on whichever one you like. No, there is one road to heaven. It's a narrow road, and Jesus owns it. There may be other sects of people who take bits and pieces of the Bible to make their own religion. There may be other religions entirely, and there certainly are many other leaders in the world that try to accumulate followers for themselves. But the Bible makes a bold claim. Despite all of those different opinions about what is true and what is false and what we can believe and what we shouldn't believe, this is the truth. The Bible says it is the only truth, and the truth can set men free. You know, Christianity and other faiths do this too, but not all of them, demands a singular focus. We have a jealous God who does not tolerate it when we worship anyone else. The New Testament uses imagery like the marriage ceremony to illustrate the covenant between God and Christians. In Romans 7, we read, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. We are married to Christ when we call ourselves Christians, and when we turn to other gospels, that's adultery. It's betrayal of God. In fact, God tells Moses to destroy all of the idols uh, that the Israelites had so that the Israelites wouldn't play the harlot. That's the phrase he uses with their gods and make sacrifices to their gods. Exodus 34, 15. That is 
powerful imagery. We don't want to play the harlot as it's put there, but worshiping a different God that may not be as remote of a temptation as we think. Paul's not talking here about the threat from Islam or Hinduism or atheism. Some may, uh, but few Christians are tempted by those kinds of false gospels. These different gospels are closer to home, though. In the next chapter, chapter 2, he calls those who pose this threat false brethren. They were brought in and they came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Paul said, we did not yield submission even for an hour to them, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And now the Galatians should do the same when they're alone without Paul. You know, these perverted gospels, they are made right in front of us. They're promoted by people we call brother and sister, maybe even people we hold in high regard. Or maybe those false gospels were here when we showed up. You know, today we're in a slightly different circumstance than the Galatian church. They had Paul setting them off on the right course when they began, and all they could do after that was distort what they already had. But we've had a lot of time since then. And when we became brothers and sisters in the church, maybe the local church wasn't relying on the Bible wholly. Maybe they were by and large, but they had some shortcomings. You know, people of high regard and tradition both can make perversions of the gospel seem more palatable for us. And they dress it up and make it really hard to part with those false teachings. But Paul said, when we were with the Galatians, we didn't give false teaching any oxygen to breathe, no matter who said it. Paul, you know, being the humble guy he was, said even if he came back to the Galatians, or perhaps a letter in his name came to the Galatians, that does not, uh, if they don't affirm the basic truths that he's already given them, then they should reject him as a liar. You know, every teacher should make that statement. If I ever say something contrary to the true gospel, don't give my words any oxygen. Don't give them your time. And then, of course, Paul goes even further. If an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel to you than what we've already preached to you, let him be accursed. You know, that reminds me of the Old Testament warnings about prophets. The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, the Lord says, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know that the word which the Lord has not spoken, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So, we see two things distinguish a prophet as trustworthy. One is the physical power of the prophet. If they can tell you what is going to happen, they have some credibility there, of course. Jesus established himself through the use of signs and wonders and miracles. You know, The early church had the gifts of the Spirit to validate their message before people. But those displays of power weren't enough. Yeah, Jesus had large crowds, but if he just needed to turn water to wine to prove that he was the son of God, then he wouldn't just have large crowds. The whole world would have flocked to him if that was sufficient to prove who he was. It wasn't enough, though. So the second qualification for a reliable prophet is even more important. If they speak the name of other gods, we don't have to trust them. If they speak another gospel as Deuteronomy, that prophet will die. Acts 17.11 says uh, that the Bereans were more fair-minded than the uh, Christians in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness 
and search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So the early church, they had all these signs to validate the message, but for the Bereans, that wasn't enough. They knew just these signs of power wasn't enough to prove anything. Even if an angel came to them with the truth, they knew that information was worthless to them if the scriptures could not prove what they were being told. There is one gospel. They knew that. It doesn't matter who uh, says what they're saying or how long they've convinced people to believe it. If someone says something contrary to what we see plainly laid out in this book, all they have is a perverted, empty, and deceiving shadow of the real thing. Don't give those fake gospels any oxygen. Search the scriptures like the Bereans and know that Christ can be enough for you. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily, and I'm looking forward to sitting down, studying God's Word with you next time. Thank you so much for stopping for this episode of Rooted Daily. It is so important to take a few minutes to root ourselves in Christ and in His Word, and I'm so glad you did it with us today. If you think it's important that others hear this good news, make sure to hit the share button and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app, whether that's YouTube or Facebook. It helps us reach more and more people with the message of Jesus every day. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Christ, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com right now.